there when we rose up from the grave. Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Oh, sometimes I feel like shouting glory. there when he rose up from the grave. Well, good morning. In fact, it is a great morning because Jesus is risen. Amen? Amen. John, Jonathan and I are actually in a local cemetery. Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Jonathan has always wanted to do uh, this service with the actual sun coming up. Uh, the sun is usually up when we have it on the pits parking lot. Uh, but this year, with everything different and us having to do this by way of video, anyway, we thought this is our year. This is it. So, JT, be careful what you wish for next time. <laughs> Second, we came to a cemetery uh, because this is the closest thing that we have to the tombs in Israel and maybe we can get a sense of what it was like uh, in the story that we're about to read. In fact, uh, reach out from under the covers, because you know you're still in bed, and get your Bible or your phone with a Bible on it, and turn over to Mark 16 uh, so you can read with us. Uh, I don't know that I've ever been to a cemetery this early in the morning. It is fairly quiet, and it is a little creepy. John, can you hear something? I hear something. Um, I want us to look at the responses of some of those people who are closest to Jesus uh, on that original Easter morning, and realize that many of us respond the same way. So let's turn over to Mark chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, mother, uh, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. So, let's start right there. What did these ladies expect to find? A sealed up tomb. The dead body of Christ. Why were they going? The Jewish people did not embalm their dead. They anointed the body. Uh, instead, they would take spices and they would put it in the folds of the, the cloths that they would wrap up the dead body with. And I don't mean to be crude, but it was basically an act of love to overpower the smell of a, a decaying body. They did not expect to find a risen Savior. They expected to perform a ritual. They responded to a ritual, not a resurrection. But what did the angel say to them? Look over at verse 6 uh, again. 
read together. It says, And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So, uh, I'm just going to tell you, if something glowing white comes from behind one of these tombstones, JT and I are cutting this live session short, right? We're out of here. We're out of here. Uh, can you imagine the fear and the questions you would have being visited by an angel? But I think the fear went far beyond uh, just seeing that angel. I'm sure they thought in their minds, we can't tell people that Jesus has risen from the dead. First of all, they'll think we're crazy. Then the officials may find us and kill us next. They kept it quiet, even though deep down inside, they probably wanted to shout it from the rooftops. They responded with fear. And then there's another response. If we look a little deeper into this passage, a little closer, why do you think the angel in verse 7 specifically told the ladies to tell Peter that Jesus was alive and would meet him in Galilee? No other disciple is mentioned in this passage. Could it be that Peter would not like the news of a risen Savior? After all, he did deny Jesus three times, remember? Just like Jesus said he would. Peter would not want to face, face Jesus and would probably respond to this news with shame. That was his response, shame. But this would be a reassurance to Peter that he was still invited to meet Jesus. He was still one of them. Jesus still loved him. And then look at verses 9 through 13. We flip over. It says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and he had uh, been seen by her, they would not believe it. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, in twelve. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest, but they would not believe them. So how did they respond this time? With unbelief with doubt. They didn't believe uh, that Jesus had actually risen. Uh, so they, they responded with unbelief. And then look at verses 14 through 16. It says, Afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and pro proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So he appears to them. Jesus is finally standing before them. When they finally see him and realize he is risen, what does he ask them to do? To go and tell everyone. And how do they respond? In verse 20, it tells us that they went out and preached everywhere. What was the difference? We had a group who was hiding, who was scared. What's the difference? They had truly seen the risen Lord. You know, what's amazing is that after 2,000 years, people, followers of Jesus or not, 
are still responding in some of these same ways. First of all, number one, we respond with a ritual. For unsaved people, church and religion is all about checking off maybe a good list. I might have to give account for my life someday, and I want to be able to say I went to church pretty regular, at least Christmas and Easter. I wear a cross around my neck. I pray. I'm okay. And then the saved, uh, those that are followers of Christ, get into a Christian routine and forget the Savior is alive and active all around them and wants to know them personally. God is interested in you, not in a ritual, not in a routine. He's interested in a relationship. Number two, people respond with fear. The unsaved have this fear that if they accept Christ, all their fun ends. God will make their life miserable and they're not ready to give up the things that they love in this world. When in reality, we cannot find true happiness, true peace, true, true joy apart from Jesus Christ. The saved are scared that they'll be made fun of if they tell others about Jesus. I won't get that promotion at work. That person won't want to hang around me anymore. Uh, I won't know what to say. They'll have a question that I can't answer. On and on, we make these excuses out of fear that people won't accept us. God instructs us to share the good news. It is good news, the gospel, with all those around us to go and share that. And then some respond with shame. Remember, Peter? The unsaved may say, I'm just not good enough to be a child of God. Well, to put it bluntly, you're not. And neither are any of us good enough. But here's an awesome thing about God. He knows everything about us. He knows our failures. He knew Peter's before he even did them. He told him he was going to do them. Yet he still loved Peter and he still loves us. Satan uses shame to keep believers from ever living up to the potential that God has for them. He loves to put past sins and failures right up in our face and whisper in our ear, you'll never do anything for God. Look at your failures. But God specifically tells the betrayer, Peter, meet him in Galilee. He gives the instruction to Peter to meet him in Galilee. And then there's a response with unbelief, doubt. You know, the unsaved may think, all I have to do is pray a prayer. All I have to do is believe that Jesus can forgive my sins and come into my life and save me and I'll live for Him, with Him forever and ever. That just seems too easy, too simple. It's got to be more than that. There has to be more. It's too good to be true. The saved wonder if God will really take care of them. You know, I'll trust God with my salvation, my eternity. God has to do that. I can't do that. His, penalty, his, his payment on the cross is the one that will pay that. But my daily life? I don't know. I think I'm going to take control of that. I'm going to do that. Can I really trust Him with that in my day-to-day -day life? With all these decisions I've got to make, do I trust Him? I don't know. You know, what was the difference in this group who we see in the, right after his death, hiding in fear, who ended up going over all the world teaching and preaching the gospel? They saw Jesus. They really saw Him. They saw a risen Savior that had conquered death, that had conquered the grave. 
have you really seen him yet? Now I say yet because the scripture is clear that everyone will see him for who he really is. He would rather us realize that now. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 tells us that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For some, it will be too late because they'll not know Jesus as their Savior, but at this point, their judge. What about Christians that are uh, meeting with us this morning? Has it been a long time since you've really seen the Savior, the risen Savior? How different our life is when we live under the power of the risen Savior. He is risen. He's not here. Do you believe that? And do you live like you believe that? Let's pray together. God, I pray uh, that you help us live as though Jesus is risen. That power, that uh, life-giving power, that resurrection power resides in believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, so many times we live in fear. We live in defeat. We shouldn't. We should trust you. We should live as though Christ is risen, truly risen. God, we thank you for this plan of salvation. I pray that there are people who are listening to this video that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that even right now, they'll bow their heads and really pray and trust in you. They might say something like this, God, I have made a mess of my life. I want to ask you to forgive me for my sin. I believe that Jesus came and died for me. That God has made a way for me to be restored to him through what Jesus did on the cross. And I, I embrace that. And I ask you to come into my life and to save me from my sins. God, I pray that there are people, few people that will do that and listen to this recording. God, give us a great day today. Help us to celebrate uh, Jesus' resurrection. He is risen. God, we're excited with that. Just help us have a great day thinking about that. And we ask that. This is Jesus. Amen. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth a living just because he lives. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Have a great day.